0: Hello there, it is Stephen Schleicher. Thank you for downloading this episode of Dueling Review. Matthew is out this week. We are still all recovering from Nerdtacular 2014 in the beautiful Snowbird Resort of Salt Lake City, Utah. What a wonderful time that we had. It's too bad that you didn't go. If you did go, then it was certainly great to meet you. We did meet a lot of you out at, uh, at Snowbird, at Nerdtacular. It was a great event, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, this week on the Major Spoilers shows, we are putting out uh, some of the panels that we participated on in the uh, in the event. So if you listen to the Major Spoilers podcast this week, you heard a panel that I moderated about comics in the comic industry, along with uh, Adriana Ferguson, Scott Johnson, uh, uh, Brian Dunaway, Joel Duggan, uh, Howard Porter and more. If you listen to some of our other shows, if you listen to Critical Hit, you do want to check that show out. Uh, We will be talking about what's been going on at Major Spoilers and answering Critical Hit questions from the audience. So that was a good time. Also in the Major Spoilers um, Podcast Network Master Feed, it's such a long thing to say. Major Spoilers Podcast Network Master Feed. I will be putting a bonus episode up later this week. From the Business of Podcasting panel that so many of you enjoyed last year, there was a uh, follow-up to that. This year it was myself, Brian Brushwood, uh, Pat- Patrick Beja, and uh, Brian uh, Brian Ibbett sitting on that panel, hosted again by Nicole Spagnolo. And you'll want to be listening to that. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and subscribe to everything that we put out at Major Spoilers. I know you'll get a kick out of that. But this week for Dueling Reviews, um, you know, a lot of times Matthew and I sit down and we start talking about uh, the latest uh, find that he has at the comic book store, what he thinks that it's worth and those kinds of things. We actually put together a full hour long presentation on comic book collecting and grading for Nerdtacular. Now, we didn't have a whole lot of people show up to the to the presentation, but everyone who did show up thought it was fascinating. Even uh, even these people who are sitting in the back. Recording the audio and, and capturing us uh, on video. Thought that it was an interesting presentation. This is not a video presentation. This is audio. And the slides from the presentation I've put over at Major Spoilers in the, uh, in the show notes for this, for this show. So you go over there, check out the article. You'll find a, a PDF of the slides that you can look at and you can follow along, all that good stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Matthew and I had a lot of fun putting this together. So without further ado, here is, well, maybe before we get to that, hold on just a second. I can't uh, can't get too far without mentioning Amazon.com. If you're going to make a purchase from Amazon, please consider using that link over at Majorspoilers.com. It really helps us out. We can use all the help that uh, you guys can give us. Make that purchase. A little bit comes back our way. Likewise, if you want to go a little bit further, I know a couple of new VIPs have signed up since Nerdtacular. Head over to members.majorspoilers.com, members.majorspoilers.com, and check out our VIP section. A little bit uh, comes our, you know, you're, you're basically donating, you're basically giving us money to ensure that shows like Dueling Reviews happen week after week after week. So you can do a $2, a $5, a $10 a month. Really, it's a small amount, $10 a month. That's like 50 cents an episode for all the shows that we put out on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, maybe even less. Eight shows a week? Seven shows a week? Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot of shows that we put out. Okay, now without further ado, here's Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher, Tankular 2014, comic book collecting and grading. Um, so yeah, as we're waiting to get started uh, This is the comic book collecting and grading panel We're going to do about 40 minutes of presentation And then open it up for Q&A So cool. if you guys have questions, that's great if you, um, questions, if you don't have questions, that's great too We can all end early and go uh, play Hearthstone Or whatever that we're going to go play this afternoon
2: We will not end early If we don't have Q&A, I will be doing karaoke And uh, if you are a
0: are in, I know Nate is here He's one of our VIPs Who else is a VIP here? Anybody? Nobody yeah members.majorspoilers.com. Nate, is it worth it?
2: Thanks for the uh, uh Nate. Yeah. <gasps> that was an awkward pause, Nathan. Okay.
0: Yes, we have a couple different... It's oh, You can think of it a little bit bad. like Patreon, but you just pay monthly, so it's either $2, $5, $10 a month, but there's some bonus stuff that you get with it. Uh, Absolutely. Some extra art, those kind of things. Yes, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wasn't me. Actually, come to the business of podcasting panel that I'll be on right after this panel with Brian Brushwood and Nicole Spagnolo, and it'll be a continuation of a conversation that we had last year, um, following the announcement that I had formed the LLC. What was you know what's the business practices going into? We'll talk a little bit about that because I know that um, Brian Brushwood is very into Patreon, uh, relies on that heavily. Um, Mark Spagnolo, the Wood Whisperer, who's not here this year, but his wife Nicole um, runs the site. And um, so our model is membership-driven, so it's a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, but kind of still the same. I mean, if you look at if if you look at what we talk about with Phase Two, yeah, yeah. And I've been <laughs> yeah. they, had
2: a, they had a clever name, is what it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was yeah. I look at it, and, and actually, probably what I'll do is I'm going to take that um, sign-up page and make it look more like. A patreon model page so people understand it a little bit more no it's just a format
2: issue thing so yeah and most importantly this is actually relevant to the comic book collecting and grading because most people don't realize that batman came around in 1939 but in 1931 the black bat had basically the entire same gimmick with the exception of being blind like daredevil so steven is really just kind of the pulp version yeah how's your audio level Ah, it's fine check Check. Sibilance? Sibilance? No, you're fine. Check. You got Check. Five minutes.
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, there are some merchandise opportunities for you. Uh, if you haven't picked up a Critical Hit sketchbook, there are a few remaining out there at the table. Uh, if you don't want to get the sketchbook, if you want to wait till later, I'd prefer not to take sketchbooks back with me, but uh, if you don't want to buy one, that's fine. Uh, If you want to wait till later, we will have those available online for you to order. Um, There's some postcards, buttons, uh, dice bags. Uh, I don't have my dice bag here. uh, But a critical hit dice bag if you're into that, if you need a place to keep your your dice. We did not bring any major spoilers, Mylar bags or or, uh, uh, boxes. Should have brought boards. Should have put some boards.
2: Boards, way free.
0: So yeah, uh, if you uh, want to, that's great. How many of you, as we... Anybody care if we get started four minutes early? Are you heartbroken, Tess? You guys do? Okay. All right. What? Oh. You just give us the cue when you're ready, okay?
2: So for four minutes. No, that's okay. That's cool.
0: Uh, So some other panels, I guess we should uh, thank um, uh, UAT, right, is that what it is, UAT for streaming this event and videotaping this event. You guys will be having uh, copies of this available for people to purchase, correct or not? Sounds familiar? Okay, yes. that's fine. We thank you guys for coming down. What's that? Okay. Well, uh, you know, I've always been impressed with, the, with uh, the students that you guys bring up, because you guys are super dedicated for the whole weekend. And uh, it really impresses me. I come from, uh, previously, uh, I was teaching at a university, in media studies uh, video production and it's good to see really super dedicated students. So uh,
2: good job, guys. Nobody ever notices the people behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, also there will be, you know, um, Alpha Geek Radio has a stream of this. We will post this presentation up on our um, RSS feed next week when we get back Cool. Uh, in case you want to watch it again or listen to it again or anything like that. Very cool. uh,
2: I prefer listening. Mm.
0: We've got some cool slides. I think. Oh, I think yeah, it's. We've yeah,
2: yeah, we've. I mean, we've I'm really saying, are making this a
0: very visual presentation today, so that you, you guys can really see, see me,
2: and that would be a problem.
0: See what we're talking about when we look at um, when we look at grading a comic book.
2: True. Sure.
0: If you are listening on Alpha Geek Radio, who's providing our live stream? Hello, uh, our live audio stream, YouTube. I should say, not our video stream. Uh, hello, uh, Twitter followers. I know that there are many of you who are watching. Um, oh. Bruce, you cut off my head in this picture. <laughs>
2: oh, well, so you hey, see, Bruce, good job. You cut see, his head off. in you this You can see half of me. <laughs> Steven Schleicher photobombs. I'm, I'm biting
0: your. am biting the back of your head. So. I'm going to need
2: you. I'm going to need you to print that out
0: so that we can get that <laughs> autographed. Get, all right, everybody. This Righty is right. the comic book collecting and grading panel. I am Steven Schleicher. I run a website called Majorspoilers.com, a site all about comics and pop culture. Along with me is Matthew Peterson, who's been working with me now eight years uh, on Major Spoilers. Uh, I've been collecting comic books uh, for uh, decades now. This is a picture of my comic book collection in 2007. Um, when I moved into my new house and you can see these are long box size, if you know what a long box size is, it's about three feet long, two and a half feet long. And um, that's what it looked like in 2007. I tried to go and take a picture of what it looked like today, but the nerd room of doom is completely packed there. with
1: things. There is no. Uh, but
0: I can t- count the number of boxes, and based on the number of uh, comics that uh, each box holds, I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 14,000 comics, more than 14,000 comics, uh, not counting trade paperbacks or hardbound volumes or special editions. Or you know, you can see the Calvin and Hobbes uh, volume up there. <laughs> But you know, when I started collecting i didn 't know a whole lot, and you know my collection some people may say, "Well, you know Stephen, you started reading comics in the '80s, um, and so your collection really begins there what i 'm doing is i 'm actually starting to go backwards and actually starting to pick up old comics, uh, things from the Silver Age. Good luck trying to find things from the golden age we 'll talk about those in just a moment. <laughs> um, but really, when you 're going and buying a comic book to add to your collection or you 're looking to sell comics from your collection you're going to find them at a variable prices. And a lot of that is based on what a comic book shop or what a, a professional group, like the uh, comic um, what is it, the CGC? CGC
2: Com- I think it's Comics Grading Corporation. or what they, Corporation.
0: what they label that that comic as. So Matthew works at a, a comic shop in Topeka.
2: Gatekeeper Hobbies Untune Engaged Topeka.
0: And, th- and his main job is to grade comics. That's what he does on the weekends is he goes in, sits down with comics and figures out what rating they are. So very quickly I thought what we would go through are some things to consider then the, um, the, the grading numbers so that some of you are familiar th- with that and then some things to kind of keep in mind and, and things that affect uh, grade and value so the first thing is storage um, I think storage is really important we, we hear tales of people who find collections under a bed have been sealed in a Ziploc bag uh-huh. or put in a, a news, uh, well somebody used to store his comics in old uh, newspaper <laughs> Newsp- uh, plastic the, the newspaper, Sunday newspaper, newspaper
2: covers. Yes, those were terrible too why are those bad? Well, the problem that you have is that those plastic bags, and especially if you ever put, I'm going to tell you right now, don't use brown paper storage bags. Mm-hmm. Because of Because bags, really. those bags themselves are highly acidic. And the plastic bags that you, know, you would use and cardboard boxes are highly acidic and will actually hasten the decay of your comic book. You can put a perfectly good comic in a brown paper bag for less than a month, a month and a half, and you'll bring it back out, and you will be able to literally see... Uh, on those that actually use the paper that isn't vinyl mm-hmm. cover that you have these days, but yeah, yeah, you'll actually be able to see the difference in the decay.
0: Yeah, and so really, if you're going to store things, uh, you know, um, long boxes, short boxes that you can get at a comic book store or a hobby store. I know places yeah. like. Um, a Hastings sell them too, so you can yeah. find them at most uh, places that sell comics. Those are acid-free boxes. Those are really good boxes to store things in. That collection that you saw of mine a moment ago, I use a company called Drawer Pot Boxes because when you've got you know six rows of of uh, or ten, ten stacks of uh, six rows. Okay. Um, Going down to the bottom box is really hard, so drawer boxes are nice because you just pull them out like a drawer. Everything's there. It keeps everything stacked. They're really, really kind of neat. Yeah. But we were talking about bags just a little bit ago. Same way with your boxes. When you're talking about acidity, uh, when you're talking about um, decomposition of the, of the plastic, it's really important to know the difference between the Mylar and the Poly bags because those are two options that you'll see at a comic book shop.
2: Yes. Mylar. Mylar is what I, mylar. what I go with as well. And something that most people won't tell you, especially with an older book or a book that is in some way valuable, mm-hmm. I recommend that you change the bags at least every five years. Even with Mylar? Even with Mylar. Because um, I don't know if you've ever... I, I think I need to
0: invest in a Mylar company.
2: Though. Yeah, but the thing is I will actually occasionally get a, like, a collection and you'll come mm-hmm. in. As you remove the book from even a perfectly good Mylar bag, you will see the imprint on the mm-hmm. bag... Of the cover, front and back cover, of what's in that comic book, and, and a lot it's of that times and is
0: because book. well, in that it also goes back to the storage because yep. you know long boxes are not cheap. I mean, it's like fifteen bucks or something like that for a really good long box, mm-hmm. and people are like, well, I'm going to cram five hundred comic books in here, and so they've got them smashed up against one another, and so you've got the cover rubbing up against the plastic that yes. deteriorates and it and it pulls away. There is an option if you have something that you think is really valuable, is this idea of slabbing it, where basically, you know, the nice thing about Mylar and Poly is you can reopen that bag and you can re examine the comic, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, whatever. When you have something slabbed from CGC, they actually seal it into a big old chunk of plastic and you can't open it up without devaluing the,
2: the comic. They remove all of the air and all of the contaminants from the book, so it will not change. And when you get a CGC book, it will actually have a grade, mm-hmm. and that grade, if it's long as it's in that slab, rather, that grade should not, in some cases people would say cannot, but I don't like absolutes, wouldn't get any worse. You can guarantee that if it is a CGC book that's graded in that slab, that's what you're getting. Downside is you take it out of that slab, to read it, It's no longer going to be necessarily the same grades. Yeah, it's more of an option for if you really want to get a slab book and put it on your wall. Yeah. So, like for example, if I wanted to take that, you know, that Death of Superman and slab it, that'd be like
0: worth a million dollars someday, right? Yeah. So, also in addition to just bags, the other thing you might want to consider is adding boards to those bags.
2: And by you might want to consider absolutely used boards. And it's one of those things where for a very long time. I couldn't afford the boards. Mm-hmm. And I would buy the books, and I would store the, the long box vertically so the books are lying on one another, and the weight of the books is holding the other books flat, and I'm thinking, that's as good as a board. It's not, yeah, but- Yeah, some curling and- Yes, yeah, it, you, know, some other you cause like curling, that. you can also cause something that, I sold some books online to a gentleman, and we very rarely get really bad feedback, but he sent a very, very scathing remark, and he's like, please note pressing which is the, the term for when you take a book that's old and it's curling, and you put stuff on top of it? Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much pressing as I didn't have storage space, and it spent time in the box yeah, while yeah. we were setting it for the eBay. But yeah. it created you know the same thing. It created the the stress,
0: and the, and, the and 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 that's really caused if you if you look at a, at a comic book, it's 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 folded paper. Right. So the, the paper on the edge that you're opening up, like this part over here is going to be thinner than the spine is at. And so what happens is when you stack them, they start to, over time, kind of lean a little bit. This is an exaggeration. Uh, But they lean a little bit, and then that causes the the pages to to bend and curl. The final item that we have down here is room condition. Um, My comics are stored in the basement, but um, our house is climate-controlled. We've got a dehumidifier. And yes. so we keep everything low humidity throughout the house. I was at a house previously where it was like every other day I was emptying the dehumidifier mm-hmm. uh, just to keep the room uh, dry. And so you do want to make sure that your rooms are dry, that they're cool, that there's no – I prefer no direct sunlight anywhere in the room, but it's you know, just me. You,
2: and you, you want to make sure that you're limiting as, the light as much as possible, Yeah, yeah. sunlight and uh, internal light from uh, – what do they call those things? Light bulbs. Yes, thank you.
0: All right. So what is a comic worth? How do we decide whether a comic is worth a dollar or a comic book is worth a thousand dollars or a million dollars in the case of of Action Comics number one? They really are based on three things. The condition, the grade, the rarity and the marketability. So when we look at grades, we can grade them. You'll you'll hear things from uh, grades of… excellent to poor or a a number scale from 10 to 0. Matthew uses a a number scale. That's what the the CGC uses. And the first one that you'll hear is is the 10.0. And really, it's near impossible to find a 10.0 comic.
2: It it is. A brand new comic off the printing press going into a box may not be a 10.0 comic. This is a book that has literally virtually no defects, nothing at all wrong with it. And for instance, if a book is... If something goes wrong in the bindery, if a book is trimmed wrong, if a book is stapled funny, at the actual printing press, it comes off the press at a lower grade mm-hmm. because that does enhance the collectability factor and what they look as the, the eye appeal in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, There's a lot of times, too, I mean, just in the printing process that the first couple sometimes hundred comics that come off the press mm-hmm. are not going to have the same coloring. They're going to have uh, printing errors just in the way that it's been printed mm-hmm. as opposed to a comic in the middle of the stack or a comic at the the end of the stack. So even in, the, even in a single run of a comic, you can find variations just in the color. So when you see someone say, well, I've got a 10.0 of Spider-Man, and this is one of those, yes. um, it is very rare. Skeptical. And unless it's slab like this is an example of a slab comic from CGC, just, just keep in mind that uh, somebody may want to go back and relook at it. So and, what we normally find is a comic, mm-hmm. which are considered near-mints, are 9.4s, uh, sometimes 9.6.
2: Yes. Um, basically, you'll see gradations between 9 and 10, 9.2, 9.4, 9.6. They'll pop up, and essentially what they're saying is it's not the 10.0, but it is very much what they call the near-mint or near-mint minus, which is a very complicated comic. And what you're looking at is there are very, very subtle kind of defects that you mm-hmm. have in that book, very minor imperfections. Um, if you look at this particular book, which is on my filthy desk at the store, Gatekeeper Hobbies, Hunt to Engage Topeka, um, you can actually see if you look at the the price label that is on the yeah, book it's itself. stuck on the book, yeah. That price label is slabbed for eternity on the book, so I feel bad about that. And that's why it's a 9-4. That might be, yeah. yeah. That's certainly one of the things. There's a couple of things in there. If you look at the inside pages, I believe they said were off-white, Mm. rather than white in scale. And we'll give you some examples of what those look like when we talk about the interiors
0: of the book. We just want to run through right now some of the uh, some of the numberings that you're going to find. A 9.0 is considered
2: very fine or near mint. And I put in quotes, it's outstanding eye appeal. Exactly. And this is something where if you were to a 9.0, a lot of times, especially with Golden and Silver Age books, they'd arrive at the newsstand and get a stamp. And you'll see a, a date stamp are on the cover. This is the highest grade, or rather... 9.0 will not allow that. If there is a stamp on a book that would otherwise be utterly perfect, that puts that below the 9.0 grade. That single defect, that single stamp, can affect an otherwise almost perfect book to the point where it's graded down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think this is probably the nerdiest uh, educational panel. That, that is you guys Strange are going Sports to, uh...
2: Stories number
0: one. It's got Carmine Infantino interiors. So then we have an 8.0, which is you know very
2: fine, the yeah. George Carlin routine here. Very fine. Yeah. How's your hair, Stephen?
0: Very fine.
2: Uh, Yeah. The thing about 8.0, in many cases, with some of the books that you'll run into, 8.0 may be the best that you have the option to buy, uh, at least at a sensible price. If you walk into your average comic store, the 8.0 may be your best option. Yeah, and I mean... It's still a great. I mean, book. we'll we'll talk a little bit
0: more about you yeah. know uh, selling and buying and those kinds of things because I think that yeah. if you're collecting, there's different reasons that you might want to collect for readability a lot of times. Some people will collect just for future investment purposes. Read a book. I know. Well, certainly if it's slabbed, you're not going to do this. Yes. Um, then you have a 7.0 book. You've got fine or very fine. And, and this is one where you can't have any brown paper on the inside. And, right. and I know that sounds weird, but paper does age over time.
2: It's especially the newsprint that they used in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look, again, there is an official scale. And I didn't bring it with me foolishly, but I have a card that goes, this is white, this is oh, off-white. A little chip it's card dead. or
0: something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Uh, at the 6.0, you have fine comics. You can see some defects on, on this one, and I, th- I don't think we go into uh, more detail on this, but you can kind of see maybe, it's a little harder to see up there, yeah. but uh, uh, right around the uh, the, the paper uh, clip of the bindings on the side, you see there's a little bit of a of a smudge, and then you can see that there's some offset on the uh, cover in the top corner.
2: And on this book, the the around the staples, you just start to see a little mm-hmm. bit, just tiny little creases, where if you look at it from here you can't really see it. If I had to look at it and grade it, those tiny little creases will knock it down sometimes one or two whole points in Mm -hmm. the book. And the 6.0 is
0: considered the highest grade with a wide range of, of defects. Kind of like us. Yes. I'm more like a 4.3. Yeah. Uh, a 5.0 is a very good or fine. Yes. What is this odor of acidity? This is something that a lot of people, yes. you know, you, you, if you've dealt with old books before, you go into a library and you go into their stacks that haven't been touched since the 20s or something like that. Or mm-hmm. maybe you go into a comic book store and you, people have that, mm smell that scent of, of old books. Of old books. Yeah,
2: the, When it comes to comics especially, the book will start to smell acidic before you actually see the browning or anything that comes with it. And I actually have – we have a, a special locked case that has our most expensive books. And I have a tendency to go over and open it up and immediately lean over. And you get this, this whiff of acidic and mold, yeah. and it, every single time it gets me. I'm, I'm 43 years old. I've almost got a master's it's, it's degree, very, I'm stupid enough to do that.
0: I know, time. but it's, it's the nostalgia, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, everybody has that nostalgia for books and, and that smell of books, but really it is. It's decay of the book, yeah. and if you're looking at something of value, it's actually a bad thing.
2: The odor of the book affects the grade, and a book that has a, a noticeable odor of acidity should not be graded above a 5.0. Even if you don't see it, it started to decay.
0: At the uh, 4.0, you have the very good. um, These are ones that are often the highest grade for pre 1965 comics. These are the early Silver Age, Golden Age comics. And I think on this one, we actually have kind of a a closer look at
2: what a 4.0 wear looks like. You can see Carlene has autographed the book. Thank you. Oh, Carl- way to go, Carlene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you can see uh, right underneath Crime Buster. I put this in for Bruce, by the oh, way, because no, it's, it's a I hockey card. I don't have the pointer here on this one. You don't so have a pointer? They you just no have pointer.
0: To, so you can see Carlene's uh, written her name on it. You can look over by the, the B and uh, where the, uh, the boy is at. You can see some noticeably wrinkles. Uh, you see a crease over by February. Uh, and then you notice right up in the upper right hand corner where it says vote for your favorite wise guy mm-hmm. um, and win a bike. Hey, you want to vote for your favorite? There's, wise there's a
2: crease that goes right through the wall. Yeah,
0: there's a there's it's a crease in. there, and you can see that the the corners are starting to uh, to not be as sharp as they are. So those are some things that you're going to look yes. at.
2: Yes, right? that's one of my favorite books. Actually, I personally bought that book. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: How I'll much was that book? Like? Twenty bucks. Four <laughs> dot Uh, Grades. Uh, This is your 3.0. The goods are very goods. Uh, All comics featuring Perry Como are 3.0 or below. Just as
2: a general rule of thumb... Same goes with Aerosmith. uh, (laughs) If you have the Aerosmith issue of Harbinger, 3.0 or below. Um, I'm joking, of course, on Perry Como. With a 3.0 book, you get to a point where you're looking at brown pages... But when the paper browns... So like brown, talk about coffee. Do
0: you know coffee. from coffee when, when we talk about brown? Are we talking about like a light mocha brown or are we talking like regular... Mocha
2: regular from your, your McDonald's. Um, you're getting into kind of a tan area, kind of like you know the, this spot on my arm... But, oh, you should have that checked. Yeah, so yeah I
0: really do. <laughs> I think you're going to be downgraded.
2: But when the paper browns, uh, there's a point where it starts to get really brittle, where the corner will actually chip off the book. There yeah, will break, yeah. Yeah. If you see brittleness, again, 3.0, if you have a book that's brown, but you can still very, very carefully bend it and see that it's not going to split or you know break immediately from the brittleness, you can still have that 3.0, and it's something where... It it kind of comes down to your eye. Mm-hmm. It kind of comes down to subjectivity. Some people will say, this is a 3.0, and I will say...
0: Well, I think that that's the important thing, too, Is that need to point out, is that this is all subjective, because what Matthew may grade at a 4.0, mm-hmm. uh, somebody else may look at it and go, oh, no, this is definitely a 6, or this might be a 2, or whatever. So it's very subjective. And so is it... Is it worthwhile having multiple people grade your comics or look at your comics?
2: Yes, up to a point, because you want to make sure that you have, for instance, I grade on a scale that I consider to be difficult, kind of. I grade hard. I look at things, and I go, I can't call that a five. But if I were to send a book that I said, for instance, we sent um, the first appearance of The Haunted Tank, which is for three people – You got that? (laughs) You're my guys. You're my guys. And I said to my boss, if that's more than a 5.5, I'll buy you lunch. And it came back, and it was 4.0. And I thought I was being harsh by saying 5.5. I thought it would be a 6 or better. But when they looked at it, they saw imperfections and collections of imperfections, things I didn't even notice, that brought the grade down. Mm-hmm. It's, now, it's good to have a second pair of eyes in anything.
0: Yeah, and so just to also kind of keep in mind that all the pictures that we're using here are pictures that Matthew took of yeah. comics that have come through his hands. So he has access. I mean, everything that we've seen is uh, not… That Perry not book
2: you'll see is twenty-three I'll sell that to you. $23.50. At- hobbies, Engaged. For Topeka. a 3.0 uh, comic book. Yes, but that is a 1951 issue of Superman.
0: And here is a uh, 1960s uh, My Favorite Martian. It's a yeah. 2.0 considered good. Yes. Um, good, or uh, the 2.0s two, two are usually considered the lowest quote unquote collectible grade. And, yes. and when we say collectible, we're really talking about people that are uh, getting
2: these for investment values, right? Well, to some degree, yes. I mean, even with a reading copy, at 2.0, you start to have books that can be incomplete. You may oh, not have. A the cover a this is the point where the cover can start to be detached from the issue. Some kid cut out the X-ray specs. Yeah, or cut out uh, the Marvel used to have their Marvel value stamps. Oh right, right. Certain times they're actually they make um, accommodations for that in grading, but that can affect the grade of the book mm-hmm. too. But if you're if you're looking to collect a book, if you're looking to sell your books. I would say if it's lower than a two dot you probably might as well have your pile lighters.
0: But you know, sometimes you might want to just collect comics just to read them, right? I mean, I mean, that's oh. kind of the fun—is go back and see, you Madness. know, to go back and see Wally Madness. West, uh, you know, running around back in the nineteen sixties and, and doing his crazy crazy thing.
2: Nineteen sixty one. Yeah. So yep. Okay. So then we have the one dot They yes. actually do have one dot comics. That's Matthew Laberteau, by the way, from uh, Little House on the Prairie playing a Tron console. I remember this book when I was 12 years old. You only have the cover on this. Yes. uh, In a 1.0 condition, your book is probably going to... It it can be even in pieces. That book, the front cover, the back cover, and the interior... It's got some staining
0: on it and some other things.
2: If you see, there's a huge chunk missing out of the side. Many times with uh, DC Comics in the 60s, their numbers are in the upper right-hand corner. If you get something in this condition, you actually have to go looking for the number because it will chip off and be gone. Oh, the issue number. The actual issue number of what do I have in my hands, yeah.
0: So you actually can have some grade at a zero. Yes. Uh, Something that has little or no collectible value. These are things, I mean, I have seen, I've gone to some conventions uh, before, and I'm really into pulp uh, books. And I went um, and found an original Doc Savage magazine magazine. Uh, from the original publication date. That's
2: good for non-pulp people.
0: Yeah, that is really good, except the book looked like it had been through a storm drain. (laughs) It looked like it had been set out in the sun to dry. The pages were all busted up. It would be considered little or no collectible value, except that it was an original Doc Savage pulp magazine, and they were still trying to sell it for $50.
2: Right, and that that caveat does apply, because we bought a lot of what we thought were basically just what I call junk books. I don't say trash because trash is pejorative and junk probably isn't. (laughs) But we had just a big stack of books, and they were all stuck together with water damage. And I peeled them apart, and I found The Brave and the Bold number 28, the first appearance of the Justice League of America. And I'm like, what are we going to do with this? My boss went online and looked at that book, that book's value and the the grading, and he said, we're going to slab it. And it came back in a 0.5 condition. And slabbed, we were able to sell that book for over $700, even in that condition, because of the value of that particular title and the marketability.
0: Well, and I think that goes into some considerations that we look at when we're looking at, you know, why are these comics graded this way? Obviously, right. we've talked about some of these, so we'll go through them, but here are some better examples. Yes. So when you look, uh, someone's going to come in and say... Hey, man, I, j- I got the first issue of Superman here.
2: Yeah, you totally do from 1997. It's worth about $3. Both of these books on screen are Teen Titans number 25. Number The one on the left is from 1960. And the one on the right is a recent book, the exact same book. The difference in price is approximately $20. So you need to know what you're selling mm-hmm. unless the person buying doesn't know what they're buying. Right. And that happens? It does. Here's an example
0: of some of the minor wear that we were talking about. You can see here the staples uh, right around the spine. You can see it starting to pull away. Mm-hmm. You can start to see on the, uh, on the lower uh, right corner, you can see some more damage. And then over here on the left, Matthew, we've got some uh, yeah. uh, covered attachment.
2: If you, if you actually look on the, on the picture on the left, you can see at the bottom how the pages of the book kind of come down out of the cover. It's actually misfolded. Um, and, of course, some of the things that I looked at in the upper right, there's some damage around the spine. In mm-hmm. the lower right, you can see serious creases and some imperfections in the color. I want to say that's a 3.0, but from this picture, I'm very and near. I forget side. which one that we had. had that It comes best. up later. Here's another
0: one where you can see... Um, some of the yellowing of the of the, of the the pages where on the left side you can see the comic on the left I think it, you said that was a 7.0 and you can see the pages look very white and crisp mm-hmm. the one immediately next to it you can start to see a little browning and I think that was like a 4.0 or something and those, on that one.
2: the pages on the, the top one you'll see Spider-Man and then there's another comic that top one is just bordering on brown it's the exact same issue came out the exact same time One of them. The top on the right is a 3.0 copy, Mm -hmm. and the bottom is 7.0. And
0: does anybody notice anything different about the the two uh, pictures on the right, one on the top and one on the bottom? Does anyone notice anything? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so you've got some different things. Good eyes. So you guys are on your way to be graders. So you'll notice a couple of things, Uh, and I think the next slide actually shows you an example of this in a difference between a direct market and a newsstand edition.
2: For years and years, comics were basically distributed through newsstands, whether that would be on a street corner or a grocery store. And in probably the late 70s to early 80s, they started transitioning to the direct sales model. For a long time, Marvel does it and DC does it in a different way, but this is a Marvel comic on the left that is the direct sales edition. On the right has all of the information that needs to be sold on the newsstand. You know what year this was? 75 cents would
0: be like 1980? Something
2: um, I'm going to say 87. That's X-Men 213. Somebody's going to point and laugh that I'm wrong. <laughs> um, that's Sabretooth Fighting Wolverine. Yeah, it's a good call, Bruce. Bruce Otter, a nerd. fellow nerd. <laughs> and on this same book, in the lower right-hand corner, you'll see something. This gets people a lot. Yeah. The Spider-Man face was put in place because they had to have room for a UPC code in order to sell it on the newsstand. They didn't need that in the direct sales model. So they stuck a face in there, and it confuses people when they bring me these so books. Which is
0: So which is more valuable, then? Is, which of these two is more valuable, the newsstand edition or the direct market edition,
2: or does it matter? Because in, we
0: are looking at the exact same content. The only difference is the cover.
2: Right. In most cases, collectors don't care. With, the, with these comics specifically, these two are in the exact same condition. I priced them the exact same. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions okay. to that, and I believe the next slide may show us one. Uh, No, No. it doesn't. So the exceptions to that would be something that I don't remember, but we'll get back to it. Most of the time, there's no difference in terms of pricing. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Um,
0: But maybe if you want to have the little Spider-Man logo instead of the the, barcode, then you can go with that.
2: I I find the ones with the M just more visually... Pleasing. I like the little picture. And that's because I bought from a comic store when I was a kid. Now, here's an interesting one. These look to be identical
0: comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what we were talking about earlier, how sometimes coming off the presses, you can have variations in color. This is probably one that's been, one of them has been exposed to the sun maybe a little bit longer
2: when we i think i name checked it earlier when they talk about what they call ink reflectivity Mm -hmm. on the book on the left you see bright inks you see bright colors and reflectivity dr doom's face on the right is kind of especially his little mouth thing there has kind of lost its reflectivity there's Mm -hmm. been a lot more wear on it that's a book that spent some time with another book on top of it basically and they were very happy i'm sure
0: Here's another one that often happens. This is one that's really confusing. Yes. I have two issues of uh, Peter Parker or Spider-Man number 78. Mm-hmm. One for 75 cents, one for 60 cents. Yes. They both came out in the same month. Yes. Why do they have a different price difference?
2: Well, I'm glad you
0: asked, Steve. Thank you, Matthew.
2: Starting, and I, wish, I really wish I had um, one of the Marvel variants from the 1970s. But starting in the 70s, um, comics had been 10 or 12 cents for dozens, dozens thousands, decades. And it came to a point where the companies were having to raise their prices. And in certain markets, Marvel especially, would send out 35 cent copies of a book, whereas everywhere else in the country, they would be 30 cents. Mm. Most of the time. So when it's a see, regional difference. Yeah. Most of the time, when you see a price variant, it's them testing the waters to raise the price. These are a little bit different. These are what people online call Canadian price variants. And what that means is. They don't have any holes them. Nonsense. But yeah, it's another thing where about this time, Marvel went from 60 to $0.75, and in certain regions, the book would cost a different amount.
0: And then here we have something that's really interesting. Here's an action comics, a Superman action comics, uh, number 481. 481. And you'll notice right away that uh, the DC logo has been been replaced by this uh, crazy uh, Whitman logo. logo.
2: DC, at one point in the 70s, and I think very early 80s, had a program where they would reprint their books through another publisher, and these came out of a three-pack where you could go into like a Kresge's or something. Right, right.
0: But these are not, so these reprints, when you see like the, the Whitman logo or... Not the,
2: technically a reprint.
0: So it's all out at the same time? Or are these all out at the same month? Or did these, can you find these like months later, six months later, a year later? Yes. Sometimes? Depends. When,
2: when it comes to Whitman, these, these variants specifically... The Whitman variant is actually considerably more expensive and more valuable for most collectors, because there are fewer of them. Mm-hmm. Generally, the way I understand it, and someone will certainly correct me if I'm wrong the print run was done vaguely simultaneously. OK, and then the Whitman people would stick them in a bag, and they may come out later.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, re- but, I remember getting those. I mean, you go and yeah. you get a three pack of
0: Superman comics, and you yep. might, they may not all be the you know uh, in uh, sequential order. No, But you would have three Superman comics.
2: And the thing, something that's infuriating, you'll see my terrible handwriting there uh, on the the name tag. Whitman comics are not numbered on the cover. Mm -hmm. In the upper right, you can see the DC version says number 481. With the Whitman comic, you have to actually open it up and go to the printing information inside to figure out what it is you're even looking at?
0: You know, another one that you see up there is the comic code authority. Yep, there are going to be some that were done with the comic code authority and some without comic code authority stamps Correct. on them, right? Is that a, also a difference between newsstand and direct market?
2: Yes and no. Okay. Um, once the comic code authority was uh, enacted in, I want to say the mid to late fifties, and I am of the opinion that it was specifically designed to put one publisher out of business, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Um, they appeared on all of the books for a very long time until Stan Lee decided to print an issue without one because he couldn't get approval. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also one very cool issue of Warlock where Jim Starlin snuck in and turned it to the Cosmic Code Authority (laughs) just to be a jerk. That's a great issue, too. And this is just Just close-up detail Mm -hmm. of those Fantastic Fours that we were looking at earlier. These are very similar in terms of the, the pricing and in terms of the grading, but you can see that huge fault... On the right, yeah, yeah the right and it's side. something where it in, in reality that's like a little tiny crack, it's like a, an inch, three quarters of an inch long. But I look at that and I see just a vast ocean of phlegm. That, uh, that is how subtle the difference in, in something can be. That's that literally can make the difference between a 4.0 copy and a 3.0 copy when you're grading your books.
0: And then here we got David. Way to go David. David. This happens a lot, you know, Stupid in David. in old comics and I've I've come to this too where I'm I'm out looking for comics, especially stuff from the Silver Age where some kid some adult has written their name on the comic so that they know who it is. And this may be because of the days when it was very um, desirable to trade comics with somebody and you wanted to make sure you got your comic back so you're going to scrawl your name across it so that you knew you got it back. But man, how how much does that damage the the collection?
2: Well, in this particular case, that book would have been five dot book mm-hmm. if not for that's that particular signature, and I think a couple of interior things this actually may be one of the ones that had the uh, coupon cut out oh, marble okay. mm-hmm. in this case, it would have been the stamp rather than, or yes, the character stamp rather than the marble value stamp question would of like the cover? yes, because uh, a lot of times the first thing you see is the cover I would say that. For me, I would grade it roughly the same, but if you were going to see, if you just walked into a store and you saw a book, yeah, it probably would, as a buyer, make a difference.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've found books, too, and... Where someone has gone and taken a three-hole punch
2: uh-huh. and
0: three-hole punched through the spine, so that they could okay. collect their stuff in a three-ring binder.
2: Hang on, I have to collect. I myself. know,
0: and I know, and I know it may sound weird, but again, it depends on. It goes back to that question of why do you want that comic? You know, True. are you are you buying it to read? In that case, yeah, clearly. And still, I've seen them. I literally picked up. Uh, there were th- like three different versions of a Flash comic because uh, that's the run that I'm doing. The back. Uh, I got, the got backlog a back on. by the way, if you
2: want to. I will look
0: at that. Okay, um, but I'm I'm trying to do a back run right now. And I had three different versions of the flash that I could choose from, and one of them had a hole punch with a name scribed on it, and it was still eighty dollars. And then there were there were two others that were better. One had a really um, rounded spine and everything yeah. but uh,
2: if you want to hear me sing like Morrissey just hand me a book that's been three hundred <laughs>
0: <years>. <laughs> Yeah, the, and I you would be surprised that happens a lot though <sighs> I mean it happens a lot
2: yes and uh, honestly for many many years comics were purely disposable entertainment yeah. they were the same as the Sunday funnies you read them you chuck them um, this I put browning, in because Walter Simonson's signature looks like a dinosaur. But those are also, this is what I call a brown page. This is where the page is officially a brown page, which knocks you down again below the 5.0. Screen. And there's a little bit of difference between our screening here, but I think
0: you can kind of see that brownish see that, where that we're talking about. Does it just
2: look white? No, it, it looks brownish. Do, they, do you see the row of white at the bottom? Yeah. Plus Simonson dinosaur. Here's, here's the sad thing this is what happens when
0: we were talking about um, when, when comics are pushed against each other stored and, and really stored flat or you put 500 in your long box mm-hmm. when it only holds 250. Yeah.
2: If you look at this cover, this is what uh, professional people, they call that just basically soiling and the reason for that is because it is dirt. Um, but the thing about this particular book, many times you'll find people who will take a little like a gum eraser or an art eraser and they'll go over this and try and take out the, the soiling. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan. And it can work, but you have to be very careful because as you're taking off that soiling, you're also taking, taking off the paint ink. paint and ink and yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't try to clean this one because it's a golden age faucet, faucet comic, rather. And the rarity of me seeing Captain Marvel books at all, I was just like, oh, I'm going to put it in the bag. Here's a
0: good example of chipping. This yes. is what happens when, you know, the edge of the comic, I mean, that's the, the spine and, the, and the, uh, the main edge are what take the, a lot of the damage with comics. And when they're banged around and they're thrown around, oh, we all do this, right? You get your new comic, whatever it is. Chuck it, in, a bag, chuck you the chuck bag it in the bag. Chuck it in the bag. You toss it in the back of the car. Over time, this kind of stuff Let builds up and wears the, up. But case. you can tell that this is a comic that's been well-read, too, because it's, yeah. the pages have been turned a lot.
2: And this is something else where... Um this is an example of, we talked about the 10.0 book. You may have a book come off the printing press not mm-hmm. perfect. For a very long time, there there's a phenomenon you'll run into called Marvel chipping. Whatever it was that Marvel Comics printer was using to cut the edge of the book was not sharp. So it would cause chipping as they trimmed the book for sale. And that chipping gets worse and worse and worse. And sometimes you'll see, this is one where... I am a little obsessive compulsive, and in many cases I'll take those little folding parts and I'll fold carefully fold them back. Fold yeah. them back.
0: You use tweezers?
2: I use my fingers.
0: Do you wear gloves?
2: No. But I do wash my hands before I go into my office because my office is filthy. But this is one where the cover was brittle enough that when I started to try and lift it, it started to break off. And for you know, for storage purposes, I'd rather have a complete cover with that mm-hmm. bend than a cover that's missing a chunk of that size. See why I'm called the Sandman? See, he's called the Sandman because he's made of sand. Uh-huh. He's oh kidding. my goodness, what happened here? A bug. Bug uh, or a
0: rat or something.
2: I can't Probably tell. not a rat, probably a mouse. But you'll run into this a lot in books that are stored in basements or, God help you, garages. garages. Yeah. I cannot tell you the horror of a stack of books that came out of somebody's garage because I, I, my hands turned purple. And this is a book that something chewed on and literally ate the corner of the paper. That's Reggie Mantle. He's just a jerk. Yeah, but there's also, <laughs> you also hear um, sometimes collectors talk about flocking. Foxing. Foxing, sorry. Yes. And foxing, basically, if you look especially around the collar and in there, yeah. just and There's another spots, one over in the border in the gutter. Little spots of mold. In, in the actual paper itself. This is this is kind of the, the freckle version of that browning. That's, but, that's
0: basically mold, though, right?
2: Yeah. It, well, and the browning is basically partly mold. Mold and um, uh, We had an issue. Dell Comics, which is a defunct publisher, used to do books based on public figures. We had an issue of – it was a John F. Kennedy book that came in. And my boss to this day laughs hysterically and tells people how John F. Kennedy tried to kill me. Because I opened the cover of the book, and the foxing had gone in, but there was mold in the spine. And as I opened it, mold shot right in my face. (laughs) And I'm allergic to mold, so I sneezed and coughed and sounded like an idiot for about an hour.
0: So some other things, beyond just, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, how do we grade the comic and how do we decide whether it's a a 1.0 or a 10.0, but there are some other things that uh, you can take into consideration too, and that's rarity. So comics from the late 80s forward, I put in quotes, worth very little because, and I mentioned earlier, the death of Superman, Superman 75, right, 1993, uh, I'm going to make a million dollars off this comic someday because it's the death of Superman. Well, guess what DC did? They printed a b- million of those issues.
2: That issue did have a, a print run of more than a million.
0: Yeah. And everybody bought one because they thought it was going to be collectible. So it's not rare. It's not a rare comic. And that's what happens really in a lot of the 80s forwards comics is they're not rare. Uh, you can find them very easily. I was I pulled up to uh, uh, um, Radio Shack a couple of weeks ago and... Um, My license plate says comics on the front of it. And the guy from the jewelry store came running out. He's like, oh, are you into comics? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I've got a whole stack of them in here. You should come and check out. I'm getting ready to sell them. And I go in, and they're all like... Uh, the Kints, you the, the, the young blood, all the stuff from the eighties. I'm like, sorry, that, I'm not interested in any of that. But if you have comics from the Silver Age, from basically 1956 to the 1970s, and some, maybe you could probably go up to like 75 or so. Mm. Um, but in the Silver Age proper, those are books that will get you noticed because those are those are starting to get more rare. And yes. certainly, if you have books in the Golden Age, somebody again brought us he brought in his uh, iPhone and was showing me a picture of a Detective Comics number one that he had, mm-hmm. that's definitely a golden age comic from 1938 to 1950. Those are worth something. Even in poor condition, as we saw earlier with the, with the 0.5, yep. um, they're going to be worth something just because of their rarity. There aren't a million Action Comics number ones lying around from 1938, and that's why when you see them go up on auction blocks, yeah. they go for anywhere from $650,000 to multiple millions of dollars, mm-hmm. um, depending on their condition.
2: Yeah. You'll notice there's a little lacuna in there between 1950 and 1956, where it's no longer a golden age book, but it's not yet a silver age yeah, book. Yeah,
0: the atomic age, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I call it the atomic age. Some people call it other things. And uh, by the way, the, the silver age ends with uh, Green Lantern, yeah, yeah. Green Arrow number 76. Right. Anyone who wants to fight me? Does rarity I'll be in the park
0: does rarity trump grade? Yes. If I have, you know, the the only appearance of Perry Como in a, in a yeah. comic, and it's a and it's a Two Is it, it, that? I mean, does that mean it's going to be more expensive because it's the only appearance of Perry Como that exists?
2: Honestly, it can because there are collectors of specific things. There's, I personally bought a Superman number sixty two, and sixty two is the wonderful crossover of Superman and Orson Welles. That is not a joke. It is a crossover of Superman and Orson Welles while he's making the movie Cagliostro however one pronounces that, and it's a book where you get into those, they're all running, you know, 10, 12. If you buy them in my grade, $30. But that particular book jumps because people are like, I want this comic where Superman meets Orson Welles. Or there are people who just collect horror comics. There are people who collect horror comics with coffins on the cover. So, I mean, your rarity does come into play if you have a book that's in really bad condition, like mm-hmm. the Justice League that we mentioned.
0: I was just looking up. Here is an auction from 2011. Action Comics number 1, graded at a 9.0, which is a rare, f- super rare.
2: Um, that's expletive deleted. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating.
0: Went for $2.16 million just because of the rarity of the comic. Now... I don't know if it's on this next... I have dollars in checking right now. There's another question that I have about restoration. Okay. Because you were saying, oh, should I you know, take my little gum eraser and try to rub off the dirt or pick up the dirt? Or what if I have... A chipped cover? Should I go and have that repaired? Because there are people that will go and repair covers. There are people that will go in and remove the, the mold. There are companies that will go out there and whiten the pages.
2: Yes. There are people who can actually, they go in and they have a technique where they rebuild the corners and they have professional painters who go in and paint in missing borders and chunks of the book. Which is a I wish I had the ability to do that job because that'd be fascinating. But but doesn't that lessen the the comic or does it, it make it better? It can and it can't. A restored comic basically. Well, here's here's the real deal. If you're going to restore a comic, it should be a comic that has value. Right. It Has to be a comic that somebody's really. So do you think on. this
0: Action Comics was restored?
2: I don't know. They have to tell you. It'd be it, in. There. This was a news article. If so it's I doubt it says at it was a 9.0, I would say this is not from the auction. I would side. say honestly, my expectations. Yeah because a 9.0 Golden Age book would be the equivalent of finding a four-leaf clover on a unicorn's head. But when you talk about restoration, and I say this, and I want you to know that I mean no disrespect, I am the very bottom rung of what you would call professional grade. I'm I'm like I'm, I'm the, the AAA league. But amateur restoration, like when you would put tape on a book as a kid, I did that when you would take a book yeah. and you'd staple the corner because the staple was slipping. Mm-hmm. Amateur restoration is always, always a bad thing. It is always something that will downgrade. I
0: don't know if this is an example of a re- this isn't an example of restored comic. This must be one that's. This that is an example of what, of what of you the... could
2: see if you restored a comic, yeah, yeah, yeah. if they were to square off those edges. Mm-hmm. And they'll actually go in in some cases and they'll use a very, very special, I think it's like glue. a bleach compound yeah, to whiten yeah. the pages again. So don't use tape no. or glue or white out. No.
0: When you're restoring comics, yes. go to a professional. Uh, amateur repairs are not allowed, right? Correct. So, you're, so Rodrigo Lopez over here, say hi, everybody. Hi, Rodrigo. So giving it to Rodrigo, and he goes and grabs a can of Windex off of the shelf <laughs> and attempts to bleach your uh, your comic for you right. is not going to help your comic.
2: I, and I, right off the top of my head, in front of thousands and thousands of my screaming fans, I cannot tell you what the grade is, but there is a grade level within this book Right here in my hand. You can get one of these at Huntoon Engaged. Pick a get you Amateur repairs, actually, again, are something where a book that would normally grade higher can be knocked down just by that one thing, a little piece of tape, or evidence that there was a piece of tape.
0: Yeah. And so Rarity then, and, and Grade actually go into our marketability uh, area. And when we talk about marketability, it's can you sell this comic? Right. Uh, so how in demand is the book, the character, the publisher? Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes you'll see uh, first appearances, such as uh, New Mutants number 98, which came <laughs> out after the 80s. Remember I said that they're yeah, 18, worth 81. very little? Um, or not collectible. Yep. Uh, New Mutants number 98 is worth a lot of money because it's the first appearance of Deadpool. Right. Um, you can Whereas have there is
2: no other issue of New Mutants that will make you more than $4 in...
0: And what's the 98 going for?
2: The 98, the last one I sold, we had slabbed it at an 8.0, and I'm going to say... Th- I'm going to probably be wrong, but I'm going to say thirty-seven dollars ish.
0: Okay. So, what about um, you? Got some classic or iconic covers? You know, the first appearance of Supergirl popping right, out yeah. of the rocket ship. Hi, cousin. Hi. Or um, you've got uh, uh, you know the uh,
2: you've got Superboy going what as they yeah, push yeah, the button? As they and push, and push the, say, the button. the
0: superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about noted artists? Noted artists could be a, a big deal on this as well.
2: Absolutely. The, if you go and collect um, Walt Disney comics, specifically mm-hmm. Donald Duck, and I do recommend it. Yeah, by yeah. the way, Don Rosa. Carl uh, Barks. Carl Barks, okay. Rosa as well. But mm-hmm. in the in the late golden age, you'll have runs of it where it's like Walt Disney's comics, $8, $8, $8. Carl Barks art, $20? Mm-hmm. Just certain artists on the book, you know, people, the collectors know they're going to get something different out mm-hmm. of that book. Um, well, that yeah. same thing happens with John Byrne in an mm-hmm. issue of Spider-Man. It's just like... Here's Spectacular Spider-Man. But it also, maybe not even artists, but also writers. I mean, we see the same thing
0: with uh, Alan Moore, right? In some
2: cases, yeah. And writers, honestly, when it comes to comics, writers have kind of a more difficult road to hoe, but yeah. Uh, A writer who jumps into the middle of a book, there's an issue of, I think, Spectacular Spider-Man again, where it's Frank Miller... Mm-hmm. Boom. Frank Miller, that book's $28.50, whereas before and after, $7.50.
0: So let me ask you another one. I didn't put it on here. What about autographs? A lot of people are asking us for autographs over the weekend. Now, that's great. But what, what about having um, one of the creators sign the comic? What does that do to its marketability? There's two
2: kinds of autographs. Okay. There's, I've going to say, and fake um, autographs. I'm going to throw a name out there, Dynamic Forces, and they've sold me a thing yeah. with a, a certificate of authenticity. It's in a bag. You can prove that this was signed by Bartheser and and at that point, that book could sell for more. I have in my collection, and no, you can't see it, Adventure into Fear, number 19, the first appearance of Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. I met Steve Gerber, the creator of Howard the Duck, right. a few years before he passed away. He signed that book for me. In some cases, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy, the autograph can actually lower the collectability value. Because, A, I have nothing that mm-hmm. proves that it was actually Steve Gerber and not Otter in the audience who signed that book. But secondly, if you want a really, really perfect 10.0 comic, that signature can be as much a defect as, you know, little Davy who signed the issue of go, Fantastic David. Four. Davy, If you're out there, Davy.
0: I also say that, um, and it's my opinion, I don't know if Matthew agrees or not, but to me, prior to the internet, mm-hmm. comics were more rare, because the only places you could go to were your con- local conventions, your, co- your collectors, your local store, because that's where it was. Yeah. You wouldn't, you didn't, if you were living in North Carolina, you didn't have the ability to travel to Washington State right. and go to a comic book store and see if they had that issue in there. So comics were, quote unquote, rare. This article that I was uh, quoting from about uh, Action Comics, it said prior to the most recent year years. Um. They thought that there were only a hundred copies of Action Comics in existence and now it no. seems like every couple of weeks somebody else finds a new Action Comics number one and I say that after the internet because of online auction sites like Heritage Auctions which sells a lot of um, of, of the comics at, at high prices eBay and some other uh, online auction sites that comics are less rare because years ago I was trying to find the first appearance of Impulse and I lived in Atlanta and that issue <laughs> sold out very quickly and I love Impulse I mean that's why I collect
2: It sells in Atlantis because it, his his costume looks like Coca-Cola <laughs> Yes but, but
0: uh, the Impulse Issue in Flash was super hard to find. I couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. And even Flash when I moved, moved to ninety uh, something, yeah, and even when I moved to Kansas, I went through all the comic book stores that I could. Still couldn't find that issue. Went online. Ten of them. A hundred of them. For a quarter. hundred of them for a dollar. So, you know, the internet
2: has really changed the marketability of comics. And even with, you know, the action comics that pop up at any given time, there's somebody, probably hundreds of somebodies, who can give you a pretty accurate census of, this is how many action comics we know are in existence right now. Mm -hmm. And if one turns up in Stephen's grandma's basement... They're going to go, oh, now there's 67 copies right. of that particular.
0: And so that could actually alter Did I tell you we got an Action
2: price. Comics number eight?
0: I don't want to hear it. I, I swoon, don't have the money. man. I was, like, <gasps> I was like meeting Davy Jones. So what do you expect when you're selling and buying? Well, first of all, if you want to sell your comics, mm-hmm. you can sell them online. There's nothing wrong with selling them online. If you have something extremely rare or you believe is extremely rare, Heritage Auctions, which is out of, I believe, New York, uh, they're very interested in... Uh, in in talking with you Conventions are another place that you can buy Rare comics or your comic shop But here's the conversation that happens in the comic shop Hey, the CBG says that this book Is worth lots
2: of bank, yo Correct, and then I will explain to you that So give me the It says $500, give okay. me $500 for this comic book Well, this is the thing The CBG, Comic Buyer's Guide First of all, I don't think it exists anymore But if you go to your Overstreet Guide sure. That's the price that you will pay to buy that book That's the selling price. Yeah, the MSRP. Basically, if you're going to sell it to me, I'm going to give you a percentage of that price so that I can take it, make sure that it's in good condition, put it in a bag, sell it to that next person for a profit. Because those companies, you've all
0: seen uh, pawn stars, right? I mean, that that guy all the time is like, "Hey, look, I can't. I know that you could go and and buy this rocket for five hundred dollars, but I've got to." pay my employees, I've got to put it online, I've got to bag and board it, I've got to store it, that is my cost,
2: and the same thing happens at a comic book shop. Yes, exactly. And something that you will run into in a comic shop is, we have people come in all the time with their whole collection. Here's nine long boxes. Mm -hmm. My boss and I will go through and go, we need seven of your books. Those seven books are worth $40. I will give you $50 for all nine long boxes.
0: And is that, I mean, is that something that should surprise people? I mean, if you go in and you have a long box of boxes to sell, don't be surprised if you get $20 for that long box.
2: And it is a thing. There are unscrupulous people out there. There are people who will try to hose you. But I like to think that we run a pretty honest store. And what it comes down to is if I need your New Mutants 98 or need if i want to purchase your new mutants 98 and you have one through 97 100 annual one through five and you don't want me to take the one valuable book out of that run i will pre- i will give you a price for that whole book but then i have four runs of new mutants without the 98 in the back of my store that now become overhead so it is a thing where you're you're going to be dealing with it, it's a business the people who are buying your books are trying to make a profit, yes. hopefully a scrupulous and so let's, decent profit.
0: Let's go back to the Schleicher collection. 14,000 comics <laughs> yep. that someday are going to be like the Mile High collection. Somebody's going to dig up my corpse, come into my house, find You're my dead body, die. and they're going to find 14,000 comics You are downstairs. powered by pure
2: hate, my friend. <laughs> You'll be alive forever.
0: So, because I've got the Schleicher collection, mm-hmm. it's obviously worth more.
2: No. Why? Well, because the Schleicher collection...
0: But it's all be, comics that I bought.
2: Yes, but if it were a, a... When you look at what are, like, the Mile High collection, a pedigreed collection, yeah. that is a series of books that this gentleman bought himself right. off the stands, mm-hmm. took home, stored in very specific conditions, mm-hmm. and that collection is worth money because you know that, A, it's had one it's owner... It's single owner. It's got loan mileage. Uh, it's got the uh, little spoiler on the back. Yeah. Major spoiler. Yeah. But more importantly, a Mile High collection books... All have the expectation of very high grade, nearly unread, in most cases, so, not unread comics.
0: Yeah, if you don't know about the Mile High collection, somebody died. Um, Edgar Church, I believe, I believe, is his name. And his widow was trying to sell the comics. The local comic – well, Bruce probably knows the story a little bit better. But essentially, she was trying to sell the comics. This comic collector came over, looked at him, saw what the collection was worth, basically offered her like it, it, seven bucks a pound or something for the, for the, for the comics, and had like 100,000 comics that this guy had had been collecting over the years. Um, and, and because it was the single-owner collection, that's why they can say that this is a pedigreed collection that we know where it came from. When we talk about the Schleicher collection, sure, everything from 85 forward has all been single-owner. Yeah. But if I'm going back before 85 and going into back issues that's questionable because what i go and pick up at a comic book conve- convention may have passed through
2: 10 people's hands before right. it got to me. You had a comment? going to say church was just saying,
0: an illustrator. Yes. So he bought comics for reference.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't a kid. Tons and tons And and he kept his books just and you yeah. with things he had action comics number 1. He had gorgeous books. In perfect Mm -hmm. condition, cool, dry, dark place.
0: If you get a chance, go up to the Mile High Comics website. Uh, The guy has a great (laughs) article about how he came across this collection and what he had to do. Basically, he had, I think, 24 or 48 hours to get all the comics out of the house. And it was like truckload after truckload after truckload of comics that he was pulling out of this house. It's a great story to read. But that brings up this question, why collect comics? Because uh, it's fun, right? I mean, you have the first issue of The Flash. You have the first appearance of Wolverine in Hulk 181.
2: Am I right? That, on that? is the final panel of the final page of Hulk 180. 180. First. That's considered the first cameo appearance.
0: Of there was actually, I, I read somewhere the other day, and we were talking about this earlier, that there's actually an appearance of Wolverine before this in an ad. For this particular issue right. that came out the month before. And it, and there was a picture of Wolverine is in black and white and basically this same pose and it says who is the Canadian menace known as the Wolverine? Find out next month
2: in the Hulk 180. And for collector's purposes the first appearance of Wolverine is still going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulk number 181. Yeah, yeah. The, the issue that came I've for but years you like, and years, I mean I've why, tried do to see it. why do you collect comics? Why do why did you why did you I'm this is nerd. like this isn't your holy
0: grail comic but this is one that you saw it for a long long time.
2: Yeah, we actually did. The store for a long time just kind of had this bounty on can we get a first appearance of Wolverine that we can afford. I collect because um, I was as a child, I was very serious. I was a tiny little adult, and I, I did everything to try to be grown up because, I, you know, you're young. You're an idiot. When I was 11 years old, my Uncle Bob told me I was too old for funny books. And I figured that, yeah, I figured something's going on there that he doesn't want me to see. That's the best way to get me to do things is tell me I can't do it. And when I started reading the books... I started, you know, you get to a point where you, you not only appreciate Spider-Man is awesome, mm-hmm. but you recognize the difference between Al Milgram yeah, yeah, and John Byrne. And you get to a point where, if you're me, you can tell the difference between lettering by Artie Simic and lettering by Ben Oda. Yeah. That's heavy-duty nerdery. Don't do that. Well, it I, for, me it's, for
0: me, it's all nostalgia because, you They're know, I read, these, I read these comics and I, and I love particular stories and I love particular runs. And now as I go back and I see that issue, even if it's an old issue... Um, I'm like, I remember where I was when mm-hmm. X happened. I remember the summer where I had nothing to do but buy comic
2: books all summer and just read them. In some and cases, it's the only way he remembers what yes. happened when. Yes.
0: All it right, we, we are almost out of time. Uh, we have a time for just a few questions if anybody has any questions. questions yes,
1: She
0: Hulk. Uh, Bruce, you want to yeah. run, run this? Run, Bruce, run. Thank you, sir.
1: Fly, little friend, be free. One thing. Is, yeah. Ooh. You're on. Oh, was on. Hello. Um, one thing I have been considering, and this is just kind of a plan—it's not something I'm planning on doing—but I have a issue of She-Hulk number one mm-hmm. figure, mm-hmm. like the most recent run of She-Hulk, like both, the first one, both. One okay. from, um, but the old one from seven. Where she's in the ripped dress on the cover. I'm
2: sorry. Is it the one where she's in the ripped dress on the cover, yes. going? Bleh. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is CGC'd at a nine point four. Okay. Holy moly. Good? good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I am going to Chicago Comic-Con in August, and Stan Lee will be there. One of the ideas that I had, would it be worth it to bust that open, have Stan Lee pay him the 80 bucks to have him
2: sign it, and then walk over to the CGC booth and have them reevaluate The answer to that depends on you. Yeah, it's all do all you about have you know. that comic because you love She-Hulk, or do you have that comic because you love the 9.4 grade? Or do you love that comic because it's worth... Right. Something at that nine point four grade. If
0: you if you open because it's, be it's not going to be it's not going to go. The grade probably won't go up any higher than
2: that. Yeah, if you open the case, there's a very real possibility that if you were to try and re-slab it, it would be lower. But I would say if it were me again, I have my my Howard Chakins and I have my Steve Gerbers. I have a few autographs that I got. I love them. These are my books, and if you try and take them from me, I'll go higher. I mean, that's a hard call. I would say that's on you. If you really, really think it would be awesome to what a, have that, what about just
0: signing? What about just signing the slab?
1: Would, would Sign that, the slab too. Would that do
2: anything to the value? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I want. It's, it's the fact, I don't. I, I not think that a signature the on the slab would lower the value. No, I don't. Because the, the lower book the inside the is still encapsulated.
1: Yeah, I'd love to have something signed by Stanley. That was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Reliable, I mean. You know, just because you have Stanley's autograph, and remember, Stanley's autograph is not a rarity uh, <laughs> like, like maybe Baby Ruth's is because he goes to conventions and charges, you know, 1, 100 bucks a thousand people a hundred bucks apiece to get his name signed. And he'll do a hundred signatures, and that's what he does. And he goes to four or five conventions a year. So you think he's been doing that for 20, 30, 50, 60 years now. His, 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 um, yeah. his, his autograph is out there. So I would say the answer is yes. So for yes. sentimental reasons, for nostalgia reasons, yeah. I say just have him sign the slab. Okay. That
2: sounds like a good plan.
1: As far as you had mentioned that you had a um the Howard the Duck signed by the creator
2: mm-hmm. but you had no authenticity or I have no I got nothing I got I don't even have a picture. What
1: I mean, I'm sure if Stanley signs it, he doesn't. Does he hand out a certificate with each signature, no. or if you just I don't a I get, a picture, get a picture, get a picture the book, get, yeah, a picture get a picture of him holding it with s- his
2: signature on it.
0: You see that a lot, where um, like when I met Michael Turner before he passed, um, I got a picture of him signing my books, okay. uh, and he's very cool with that. And most most um, creators will. Let you do that.
2: Okay, cool.
0: Now Stanley may be a little bit different. Yeah.
2: Any other? Questions?
0: Yeah. Another question. We got time for like one questions. more.
2: question Let's go over Let's here, go and here. then
0: we'll get to you, Nate, real quick.
1: Dun dun dun. Because
0: we are just about out of time. Okay.
1: So a couple years ago, um, my now fiance time. decided to buy me a CGC nine point eight wow. uh, Wolverine from. <laughs> no, <laughs> we no, said wow with the grade. From, and <laughs> yeah. from no, November in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Right? Because that's, the number one. That, yeah, that Ooh. that's the uh, the month I was born, so it actually yeah. like means oh, something young. to me. Yeah. Um. Right now, I just have it sitting on a shelf above my TV, like kind of displayed. Mm-hmm. Is that an improper way to?
0: Well, so that's a good question <laughs> about the slab comics because um, all the air has been pumped out of them. But right. are the slabs UV coated to prevent like uh, sunlight um, fading?
2: Are, they? Uh, are okay, they? Good. Okay. I would say yes because of the heat. I don't. You okay. don't want to book above a heat source like that. Okay, my okay. my TV is old and puts out like a yeah, furnace. I, so. It's, yeah. it's my, my advice with a book that's in a slab is you want to store it upright somewhere that's again cool and dark. You can put it in your bookshelf between other two other books. Mm-hmm. When did CTC start slabbing? Sometime in the yeah, late nineties. So do we really know the long term effects? We don't. No, we don't. Thanks. Well, Bruce. I mean, if it's been twenty, in
0: some Let's, cases, twenty years, so we do know, I and mean, we could go back and check. So, Bruce Tinfoil Hat Otter. <laughs> <ladies and gentlemen. laughs> Let's go over here to Nate for our final question, and then we've got to wrap it up. Okay, two two quick things. Oh um, man! One, you've always you know, you've always said there's a certain type of tape that you use when you bag stuff. What is that? Oh yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't I use, don't tape. use
2: tape. I don't use tape because there are some really aggressive tapes out there. What I use to seal bags is. And I don't gun. know what its original pre- uh, pr- 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 was. It's Like a heat press. It's a heat press. You, it's like got a, a little handle. George Foreman you Lay press. the book across it, board behind the book. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you lay the board across it, and it just runs a little bit of heat behind it, and it melts yeah, the yeah. bag closed. Okay. Uh, and
0: then second, with
2: the advent of digital comets and you know runs not being high. Yeah, tied, don't slap those. No, <laughs> I've tried. Radiation. Oh man, I've got Brandy like a four uh <laughs> But with collecting now, Mm -hmm. is there... I mean, in time, do you guys
0: predict something to where... No, because here's here's the problem. The publishers aren't lowering their print runs because of digital. The print runs are staying the same. So every month, there's still 100,000 copies of Batman being printed. Right. Uh, And until ink becomes too expensive for someone to print on or with, or the prices become so high they're not going to change their 100,000 right. print run a month of Batman. So the rarity of comics is not going to go away, um, and that's why you need to look at those Silver Age and B4s if you're looking for something that's considered rare.
2: And I think if you look at you know, book collectors and coin collectors and you know, similar type numismatic things, yeah. you'll have people who, even though it's no longer uh, they're no longer making them, they're no longer printing them, they're no longer doing pulp comics, there are still geeks like us... Who do the collecting? Who go out and find mm-hmm. what they like? The hunters. because it's out there. Ed, it's fun. It's fun. If it's down to like nine guys. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. That wraps it up for this panel. I hope it did everybody learn something. I know this is more of the the sciencey side, the the uh, educational side, but I hope I you guys hope enjoyed it. I hope we weren't it. boring. You can find me at Major Spoilers. You can find Matthew at Mighty King Cobra on Twitter, and we'd really love it and appreciate it if you'd come visit us at our website at major major You'll
2: be able to find me at that comfy chair right across the hall. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.
0: Major Spoilers is copyright 2014.